it's good to see you this morning. Thank you for being here. Have you ever heard these words? Don't judge me. You ever heard that? Maybe you even had your kids say that to you at some point. Hey, dad, come on, don't judge me here. I can wear these cool pants. They're really tight. They go really, they're called skinny jeans. They're back in. And then you roll the ends. Now, here's how old I'm getting. I remember the first time it came around where you actually did the French cuff and you folded them and then you rolled your jeans. So now the kids are bringing them back. So that's pretty exciting. Don't judge me. It's probably one of the most misused verses in all the Bible. Hey, you can't judge me. TV shows set, late night talk shows. You're watching the late night with David Letterman. Have you ever heard it? Don't judge me. You can't judge. Yeah, I've heard that. Maybe it's your TV show in the middle of the day that you watch. Maybe it's a movie. Maybe it's just in the school as you walk up and down the halls. Don't judge me. You can't judge me. What they're really saying is, you can't tell me what to do. I'm, I, you can't tell me. You have no authority, no business telling me how to live. I can do it my way and you can do it your way and let's just all keep it that. You keep your opinion to yourself. I'll keep my opinion to myself. Let's just leave it all alone. Don't judge me. Don't tell me how to live. Don't tell me what I should be doing. Don't tell me what's right. Don't tell me what's wrong. You ever been there? Happens all the time. Matthew chapter seven, you have your Bibles. I'm gonna ask that you join me there. Matthew chapter seven. Now we are coming to the close of the Sermon on the Mount. We have two more weeks in which we're going to talk about the Sermon on the Mount and then we'll be finished. This great sermon that Jesus gave on the side of a mountain in which he preached. He taught us, he's taught us many things. He's taught us that at the core of who we are, we should be radically different. That this Christian life is not just about changing your outward behavior. We don't want to change your outward behavior. Your outward behavior is really the farthest, the, the last thing we want to change. More than anything else, what God is after and what he is seeking is that you would be a new person inside. Something, somebody has radically been changed in something different. He doesn't want you to come to church and play religion. That's refreshing, isn't it? We're not coming to this place just to play the religion game. We're not coming just to play a part, to act like we're good. We're not coming to hopefully to earn enough credit so that we get into heaven. That's not what we're doing. We're here for something deeper. And last week we talked about Jesus gives us some failures. If you've been a Christian or if you've been trying to live this life for any amount of time, walking with Jesus, then you and I know that there's some failures that that come up. And three things that cause us to fail more often than not We talked about two of them last week. Do you remember them? Our material possessions, how we view our money, how we view the things of this world. Many times what sidetracks us as believers is this, is that we believe that material possessions, material things, money, cars, houses, clothes are actually the highest priority. And we live our lives as if the material things will bring us joy. So we earn more money, we work harder, we get more things in order to actually find fulfillment, happiness, and joy. And does it bring happiness or joy? No. And it causes us to place our treasures in the wrong things. And Jesus told us and taught us how that we t- should take our material pleasure, pleasures, our material things, and to actually, instead of putting treasures here on earth, he says, why don't you take and use your money in a different way? Why don't you use it to have treasures in heaven? And then he gave us the next failure. 
as we're walking this life and as we're walking with Jesus, one of the things that trips us up most often is worry. Worry. Our cares, the cares of this world coming crashing down upon us. And we begin to stress and fret and begin to worry and cause sleepless nights over and over again. And we worry about things that we cannot control. And this worry causes our, our Christian walk to become anemic and lifeless. And Jesus says it causes you to be ineffective. So we begin to learn how that we are to trust God. And that he's big enough to trust. And today he's going to give us our third failure. And it begins to deal with our inner relationships with people. How we interact with each other. It almost seems to be forced. It almost seems to be out of place. But then when you begin to realize, you know, if it weren't for people, you might actually be a pretty good Christian, huh? It's usually people who cause you to get upset the most. It's usually people that cause you to have the most grief. It's usually people that aggravate you. It's usually people, if they would have just done their job, right? It's just people. That's typical. So here's what we're going to do. We're now going to talk about this third failure. And this third failure is how we interact with people. Matthew chapter 7, would you please stand for the reading of God's word? Jesus is again speaking, and he says, judge not, that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy. Do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for just the opportunity to be able to sing praises to you to be able to gather with other believers. And God, I pray that today, truly we have worshiped you and we've honored you. And I pray that it's been a sweet sound to your ear. And Father, now as we look into your word, I'm asking that your spirit would have freedom to move and work in our lives. God, I pray that you'd give us ears to hear and I pray that you'd give us the, the, the courage to apply what we hear today to our lives so that we walk out of here a different people because we have met with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. So here we go, the command, judge not. That's pretty simple, isn't it? It makes it very clear. It, there's not even a maybe about it. It just says, judge not. Don't judge, stop judging, don't do it. Stop looking at each other and judging other people. Now, let's just be real honest. For, for the most part, as Christians, do we judge? Sometimes we're actually know more by what we're against than what we're for, right? So judging, how do we play this out and where does it start? There's at least two, two Christians that I would really like to make sure that you understand clearly today. The first one is this. The young Christian, the person who had maybe just 
come to know Jesus Christ as their personal savior, this is a danger for you. Here's why it's a danger. Because you become excited about God's word. And as you get excited about God's word, you start reading it and you start saying, yes, I need to do that. Yes, I need to do that. And you, so, you get so excited about everything that's in the Bible and you are convinced that you have to do everything. So here's what happens. You begin to look around and say, well, wait a minute. The church isn't doing this. Isn't that in the Bible? We're supposed to be doing that, right? You know, I found that we're supposed to sacrifice in the Bible. Why aren't we sacrificing anymore? That's an extreme. We don't really do that. But young Christians, here's what typically happens. You begin to look at the scripture and you begin to look around and you say, well, wait a minute. If I thought they were a good Christian. Why aren't they living this way? And you become so frustrated because everybody's not living perfect lives and you're trying to live perfect. So you get frustrated and you begin to become what some would call a fanatic. Now listen to what James Montgomery Boyce said. He was talking about the young Christian and how the temptation is to judge others. And he says this, if the devil is not able to destroy a Christian's witness by making him apathetic, he will try to do it by making him a fanatic, end quote. You become so fanatical, so full of pride and arrogance saying, I'm the only one actually following God's word. And as a young Christian, you're going, we need to be doing this. And when you start going so fast that you're not willing to humbly sit and listen and learn and grow. Now, let me talk to another group because now there's probably very, there's a few young Christians in here, but for the most part, many of us can fit into this next category. You ready? The next category is the Christian who's been around church for a while. Now, notice I didn't say a mature Christian because a mature Christian has moved beyond judging, right? We're talking about those who have gotten comfortable with being around church. And so here's what we do. We start looking around going, are you kidding me? Look at his hair. Look at her hair. I can't believe they do their hair like that. I can't believe they have a tattoo. I can't believe they have earrings. I can't believe they listen to that kind of music. I can't believe they have that drink. I can't believe they do this. And we start judging people all across, right? Have you ever been there? Maybe for some of you, you've come out of churches like that. You've come out of churches where especially maybe 10 or 20 years ago, those were the styles of churches where the church was really known more by what they were against. Women can't wear this, men have to wear this, and this is how you came out. Now, so since you're maybe 10 or 20 years removed from that, here's the danger. Many of you think that you're good and you're not judging anybody, anybody, anybody else. You feel like you're okay. But you've become so complacent that you don't realize that even when you look across the room, you're saying, I can't believe they'd do that. I can't believe they'd be a teacher, a Sunday school teacher, and they can say that, really? I can't believe they didn't ask my opinion. They didn't ask my opinion, and they just chose to do this anyway. They must not be, they really must not be a Christian. At least they shouldn't be in leadership. They can't be in leadership. Come on, they made that kind of choice. There's no way. And you live your life consistently judging. And you live your life consistently looking around and looking out and saying, if they really knew God, if they really knew Jesus, then they wouldn't be doing that. And the Bible says, judge not. Let's move it beyond the Bible. You ready? Jesus says, judge not. So this is not even something I'm telling you. This is something Jesus is telling you. 
Let me read it one more time because this is coming from Jesus. Judge not. That's helpful, isn't it? So why is it that you and I judge? If you and I are called not to judge, why is it that as a believer that we have fallen in this trap? You see, we've become more known and you begin to watch the news and you watch sitcoms and you watch TV, you watch it at any length of time. They come back at the Christians for the Christians are against. We're against this politician, we're against this, we're against that. That's how we're known. Yes? And the problem is this, is that you and I are never been called to be known for what we're against. We are called to be the hands and the feet of Jesus literally touching this world. That's what we're called to be. That's what we're called to do. We're called to actually be known by our love. The first Christians were known by how much they loved and cared for people. So why is it that we're known for this other, on how much we condemn and how much we don't like if we're so far removed? It's a pretty tough question, isn't it? Judge not. So here we are. Jesus now begins to lay out Three reasons why we judge. And they're wrong views. The only way you are able to judge is if you have a wrong view in one of these three areas. Ready? The first one. You're able to judge when you have a wrong view of who God is. A wrong view of who God is. It says, judge not that you what? Be not judged. Let's just, let me shoot you straight. You ready? At the end of this world, at the end of this world, I will stand before God and you will stand before God. He will be on the judgment seat and he will judge us. He's gonna judge us, first of all, on one question. What did you do with Jesus Christ? Did you choose to accept his gift that he has given you, which is forgiveness of sin? In which you said, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I am sorry for that sin. I'm sorry for offending you. I'm sorry for living selfishly. I'm sorry for living life my own way. And Jesus, I am sorry. I believe that Jesus, you died on the cross to pay for my sins so I don't have to. Jesus, I'm now asking you to be the leader of my life. And Jesus, I want you to be my savior. So thank you for walking with me. And when you have accepted Jesus Christ and you've trusted his work on the cross. You ready? When you stand before God, this is exciting. I no longer stand alone. When I stand before God, here's what it is. Jesus looks down and, and he says, he's mine. That's my child. That's, he's mine. And I am clothed and robed in Jesus' righteousness and not my own. Isn't that incredible? That's an incredible blessing. So here I am. I am now judged, if I have trusted Jesus Christ, I'm now judged by this. I am judged by the opportunities that I've received to further God's kingdom. He's given me talents. He's given me gifts. What did I do with those talents? What did I do with those gifts? What did I do with those resources in order to further his kingdom? That's how I'll be judged at this point now, because I've trusted Jesus Christ. You will be judged the same way. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal savior, and you choose at this time and this point when you've heard that you need to trust Jesus Christ. When you stand before God, you will be judged. And it's not, does your good outweigh your bad? 
you will be judged on what you did with Jesus Christ. See, either you will pay for your sin or you'll have trusted Jesus Christ in his payment for your sin. Either way. And so the call today is this. If you do not know Jesus Christ, that you trust him as your personal savior because he's already paid for your sins. You see, the cold, hard reality is that we stand before Jesus Christ. We will stand before a judge one day. And he is the perfect, the holy, the righteous judge who does give mercy at this point. That's why he gave Jesus Christ his son. He's given that. Now, watch this, you ready? So when I'm here on earth, and when I begin to look at other people and I begin to judge them and I begin to pull out that you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't. Be, and I begin to judge them on whatever level, what I'm actually doing is saying, God, you're not actually good enough to be God. You're not actually good enough to be the judge. I can take your place. Let me help you out. I will judge them. Now, do you honestly think you'll be a more fair, righteous judge than God? But we change that spot, don't we? More often than not, we want to move into that spot and we judge people. So we have a very false view of who God is. The only way you can judge somebody else is by misunderstanding who God is. Because in the end, God will judge and he will do it righteously, fairly, and good. Let me show you one more. It says, judge not that you be not judged. Number two, so we judge when we have a wrong view of God. Number two, we judge when we have a wrong view of others. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Jesus now begins to say how that when you judge other people, you judge them, it's gonna come back to you and they're gonna judge you in the same way. Can you judge somebody's motives? Can you judge their intent? Can you judge somebody? Now, I know Jamie and I, when we have those great discussions, you know, as husbands and wives often do, you know, just discussions, not anything else, just discussions. They might get a little fiery, but just discussions. And she says, Heath, I know what you're thinking. Oh, that fires me up. There's no way you know what I'm thinking. So what I intend to do is from that moment on, I begin to argue the point that she doesn't know what I'm thinking. The only problem is, is that in my attempt to tell her that she doesn't know what I'm thinking, I prove that she does know what I'm thinking. <laughs> you ever been there? We, we act like we, want, we know people's motives. We act like we know their thoughts. So we judge quickly. We judge without discerning, without understanding what's going on in their lives. And the Bible tells us, Jesus is telling, when you choose to judge somebody quickly, harshly, when you choose to judge without mercy, when you choose to judge their motives and you cannot know their motives, when you choose to step across that line, you are inviting the judgment to come back to you. You're inviting them to judge you. You ready for that? And then at the same time, you ready? You are also inviting the God of the universe to be able to put the same standard on you that you just placed on other people. You see, the Bible gives several different instances where you as a teacher, if you stand before a group of people and you teach God's word, if you stand in a Sunday school class, if you are in a home group and you are leading a study, you ready for this? Because you are putting yourself in a position to share and to study and to explain God's word. When you put yourself in that position, you are actually held 
to a higher account because you actually know the truth. And when you decide to judge and put yourself in the judgment seat where God should be in him alone, and you decide to judge others, God says he freely allows them to judge you. And at the same time, he says, okay, you feel like you're able to judge? Then I'm gonna take that same standard that you're judging others and I will judge you with it. That's a little scary, isn't it? It's a little unnerving. I read of um, a man who kind of, Henry Ironside, he is a great author of the past. And he was talking about a Bishop Porter who decided to go across um, the ocean. And here's, here's his little story. He says, this Bishop Potter decided to sail across the uh, ocean on one of the transatlantic oceaners. When he went on board, he found that another passenger was to share the cabin with him. After going to see the accommodations, he came up to the pursuer's desk and inquired if he could leave his gold watch and other valuables in the ship's safe. He explained that ordinarily he never availed himself of this kind of privilege, but he had been to his cabin and he had met the man who was it to occupy the other berth. Judging from his appearance, he was afraid that he might not be a trustworthy person. The pursuer accepted the responsibility for the valuables and remarked, it's all right, Bishop. I'll be very glad to take care of them for you. The other man has already been up here for the same reason. End quote. Isn't that tough? You choose to actually invite or to judge others. You're inviting them to judge you. And we don't like judgment, do we? So we have a wrong view of God. We have a wrong view of ourselves or others. Now he shows us the only way you're able to judge is when you have a wrong view of yourself. Look what he says. Verse three. So why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? Why do you not notice the log that is in your eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. Jesus stops and he says, okay, you have a wrong view of yourself. If you're judging other people, you obviously are seeing yourself as better than what you really are. You're seeing yourself with such pride and arrogance that you're not even able to see what's going on in your own life. He says, you're looking across and you're looking at people who have a a little tiny speck, a little tiny splinter in their eye. And you're saying, oh, that's so bad. Oh, that's terrible. You need to get that right. This is in reference to like a ceremonial grievance in which maybe somebody didn't wash their hands correctly. It's a small offense. And Jesus is saying, you're looking at people with a small offense and you're looking at them and you're judging them and you're bringing them down and you're tearing them down. You're, you're spreading rumors about them. You're talking about it to other people and it's a prayer request or however else you wanna do it. Oh, can you believe they're doing this? I can't believe they're doing that. And we go back and forth and we argue back and forth. I can't believe they decided to do this. Can you believe they decided to do this? I don't know. They, talked to, they didn't talk to me. Did they talk to you? No, they didn't talk to me. And you go back and forth and we argue about little things and we miss the entire point. And Jesus is saying, you're sitting there arguing and upset about something so small, and yet you have a telephone pole in your own eye. You can't clearly see. You have no idea what's going on. They broke some ceremonial cleansing, something small, and yet you're sitting back with adultery in your life and you can't do it. And you can't even see what's going on. You're playing the part of a hypocrite. 
And remember the hypocrite is the actor who dresses up and says he's religious, who dresses up, puts the mask on and pretends to be somebody else. And everybody around you is going, oh, wow, look how smart they are. Look how good they are. And everybody around is going, wow. And in your judgmental spirits, you're gaining a crowd and gaining an audience. They're watching you perform. And you're losing your witness. How sad is it that we sometimes want to keep new Christians away from the grumpy, old, grouchy Christians? We do it and we say, don't go near this group. This group's grouchy, this group, because they bring you down. So Jesus says, you've got it wrong. Now, let's just be honest. If Jesus stopped here, then everybody has interpreted this passage really well. The world has got it right. Judge not, you shouldn't judge anybody. The problem is, is that Jesus doesn't stop there. Have you ever found Jesus just be kind of aggravating a little bit? If he would just stop at certain points and make it a lot easier. But instead, Jesus continues, and now he does this. He says, okay, you've heard the foundation. We've laid the foundation. Don't judge. Don't use a judgmental spirit. Don't judge incorrectly. Don't judge quickly, harshly. Now Jesus says, but I want to show you how to balance this. Look what he does. Verse five, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Jesus doesn't even argue the point. Should you or should you not interact on your brother or sister's behalf? He doesn't even argue that point. And we can go to the Old Testament where it says that iron sharpens iron. So does a good friend, right? You've heard that passage? Where you and I should have relationships in our small groups or whether it's other Christians, other Christians where they actually take the chisel of God's word and they help grind off and say, you have a blind spot. Let me show you your blind spot. And we help each other become more like Christ, right? We can go to the New Testament. We can go to the New Testament and we talk about where James goes into great detail on how we are to come alongside of each other, to love them, to care for them, and to call them out on their error. We could go to so many different passages all throughout where Jesus actually says, this is, should be happening. You can confront, you can go forward, and you have been given a right. Paul even gives the right to the judge, judges and government in Romans 13 to say, you should go forward and you should should bring judgment to the city to, to stop the error, to stop the ways, to stop criminals. This is your job and you should do it. He even brings it to the church. And first Peter says this, first Peter, Peter says, it's time for judgment to start in the house of the Lord. Where you and I call each other out and say, brother, here's the problem. Now, the one point we have to see here is this. Jesus says, get the speck out of your own eye. Get the log out before you ever go anywhere else. Do you see that? He says, get it out. Here's what I want you to hear. Before you ever, ever move to the point of actually interacting with somebody, you should have already gone through what Jesus has taught in the Beatitudes. Remember the Beatitudes? to be humble, to be pure, to mourn over sin, to be poor in spirit. When you begin to 
look at your own life and you're saying Psalm 139, God, search me, try me, know whatever's going on in my life, search me. I want it clean and I want it right before you. When you are able to be sick over sin, then you're ready to start actually thinking about somebody else. But your job and my job is this. Anytime I come to scripture, anytime I hear the word of God being preached, it's not to look across the room to see that applies to him, that applies to her. Your job, my job, is not to be thinking about my kids. My job is not to be thinking about my wife. My job when I come to scripture is this. Always first and foremost, how does this apply to Heath Marion? And if you are not starting there, how this applies to you, you have no business ever interacting with somebody else on what's going on in their life. When you actually become broken over sin and you become so broken over sin in your own personal life and you are weeping and crying over sin. Oh, Heath, I'm a tough guy. I don't cry. I understand. I used to say that all the time, but the more you become convicted of what God has done in your life and how much your sin offends a holy, righteous God, it breaks you. And when it begins to break your life, here's what it causes you to do. It causes you to look at your brother who's in error and who has a problem with a grace and a humility. Did you know, do you know this, that Jesus doesn't love you more than the people you hate? And I know we don't want to use that word. I don't, I don't hate anybody. Those people you don't like who rub you raw, Jesus loves them the same amount as he loves you. And before you're ever able to go forward and talking to somebody, it should cause you to break and fall and say, God, I am so sorry. And when you fall and you break before God in your sin, then you're able to go and talk to somebody else because now you clearly see what's going on. And when you start talking to them, it's no longer in pride and in arrogance. Now you're able to talk saying, God, I'm so sorry. And you're sorry over their sin. You're sorry how it's hurting them. You're sorry for, have you ever been confronted by somebody with pride and arrogance? Yeah. You know a difference. You notice a spirit that's different when they actually come and they've been broken over their sin. But when they haven't been broken over their sin, it negates their ability to see clearly. So now Jesus does something crazy. Jesus now gives us verse six. Now, verse six is one of those, these, this is called a hard saying of Jesus. Hard saying because people like to argue back and forth what it means. It's weird. So look at verse six with me. Okay, don't give to dogs. Now, let me help you out. Dogs is not like your Fifi at home, okay? This is not a pet. This is not a cute little cuddly thing that you know sleeps in your bed. When a Jew heard dog, they're hearing scavenger. It's more like a coyote, a coyote. You don't have a coyote in your room, in your bed, I mean, around your kids. You don't want to do that. So dogs were scavengers. They were dirty. They were filthy. They were outside. And he says, don't give to dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs. Now, again, pigs, this is not the good stuff. This is not bacon and ham. That's that's not that. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, again, pigs that are scavengers, pigs that are dirty, they're filthy. They would eat anything. They still eat anything. And he's saying, these are the ones that are outside. Now, here's, here's what Jews would hear. Jews would hear this. They would hear 
outside of the covenant relationship, outside of that. So here's, you and I are called and we have been given a pearl, a treasure. It's God's word. You and I have been given the pearl of actually having a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a treasure. It's a treasure that we hold dearly, don't we? We're so glad and so thankful that the God of the universe loves us and cares for us. And he's called you and I to be a holy people, separate, holy, separate unto him for his divine purpose, his divine glory. We are to bring him glory. And you and I are called to go into this world and to actually bring this holy message, which becomes good news to people where they hear it and they want to respond and they want to come back to God, right? We're called with a holy mission to go into the world and share. And you and I are gonna come in contact with people who are outside, away from the covenant of God. And we are t- our job, our mission is to love them, care for them and to share and to bring them in to God's kingdom, right? But you will also find people who are considered outside of the fold. How do you know that? Here's what's funny. You can't know it unless you are discerning, unless you use good judgment. So Jesus is calling you and I to use good judgment, to use sound judgment. He says, okay, the people who are outside the covenant, those who you've been praying for, you've been praying for a long time. You have people you've been praying for, people that you are hoping that God will bring and touch and bring them into his kingdom. Jesus is now saying, those who are outside, who consistently reject, who consistently don't want, who want to argue with you, they want to argue more than they want to hear. You've been around people like that? They just want to argue and argue and argue. Whatever you say, they just want to argue. Jesus now gives you permission. If they consistently don't want to hear, he now gives you permission to say, God, they're in your hands. I've done everything that I could. That's tough, isn't it? How often do you do that? More than likely, not very often because you are called to love and care. You're called to serve. You're called to share. But if you find yourself in a situation over and over and over and over again, you're doing nothing more than arguing. You're not helping them. You're called to back up and walk away and leave it in God's hands. That's a hard saying of Jesus, isn't it? So here's the prayer. The prayer is that if somebody falls in the category where they're constantly arguing, would you still pray for them? Absolutely, I would. Would I still care for them? Absolutely. But I would stop getting into arguments that do not bring glory to God until their heart is ready to hear. As the musicians come out, this has been a tough message. I don't know where it's hit you, For many of us, we needed the reminder to stop judging because it is time for we as a church to stop judging and to stop truly caring authentically about each other. And if if in those authentic, deep, caring relationships, we have to confront a brother, then we do it with our hearts being pure and our hearts being broken for our sin. And we go to them in love trying to restore and to bring them back to God's glory.